Hey everyone, and welcome to the Work Friends Podcast, where we bring meaningful conversations to you. I'm John Brubaker, and I'm here with my co-host, work and real friend, Ainsley Stanley. This season, we invite you to lean in as we talk about leadership. Join us as we sit down with seasoned leaders who are passionate about being the hands and feet of Jesus, regardless of their title or role. We talk about identity, leading and falling well, discernment, and so much more. Today on the podcast, we are so excited to have Reverend Dr. Tim Tang, who is the director of the Tyndale Intercultural Ministries Center. And basically today we're going to talk about cultural diversity and cultural intelligence and how to embrace an intercultural mindset and really asking this question, what do we do about embracing difference and learning how to deal with difference across all kinds of cultures, ethnicities, races, and whatever that looks like in your circle, particularly for this conversation of the church, how do we embrace a multicultural and diverse community? So eat an ice cream cone, hang out with a friend, do whatever you need to do and enjoy today's episode. Amazing. Well, Tim, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, yeah, we're so excited to have you. No, really great to to be here. No, it was um, you guys were a great class. I had, we had you know met over at Arrow, and um, it was just a great and engaging right from the get go. Sorry, I totally remember the two of you, uh, Jen and Ainsley, us getting on the bus, and all of a sudden you guys are like whipping out microphones asking people questions. <laughs> and I'm like, who are these girls trying to record everybody? And like, what are they talking about? And like, sorry, it was, so it was quite funny. And then somebody said, oh yeah, they, they started a podcast. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. All right, great. So yeah, really neat to be, and, and honored to be, to be invited on. Yeah. We're the Gen Z's of our Arrow class. So it pops, shows up in different ways every once in a while. <laughs> so good. So good. Yeah. Well, thanks so much. To start off, we start off every episode asking some uh, get to know you questions just so listeners can kind of, I mean, get to know you. It makes sense. So uh, question number one, what is your ideal day? Okay. See, the problem is you guys asked, you guys sent me these questions so I could think about it. So then I have like this whole long answer, but I'm going to give it to you short. Um, my okay. ideal day, my ideal day is getting up in the morning and I am a bit of a morning person. So getting up early is not an issue. Um, but going cycling by myself, uh, somewhere by the water where there's no hills because I'm terrible at cycling up hills, but, <laughs> but just taking my time being by the water cycling for, I don't even, without a time, like I feel like as much as I like seeing how fast or how long I go, like not being bound by that time uh, would just make my day. Uh, And then ending that cycling trip with a great coffee and an almond croissant because I have, I have total thing for almond croissants. Um, And that, yeah, I think that would totally make my day. That is a good day. (laughs) Add the croissant in there. Mm. (laughs) Amazing. Uh, what is the, or sorry, where is the best place you've traveled to? Best place I've traveled to. Uh, I will always go back uh, to Hawaii, any island, anytime. Um, but I think the place that I really think about as a pretty special place, and I'm not even sure how to describe it, um, but I feel like it's it's like I want to go back at some point and I, I've I don't know when I'll ever go, is Inverness uh, in in Scotland. Um, mm-hmm. Went there on just kind of a car trip with my family. And yeah, when I when we when we got there and it's along the water, um, just standing there, I had this moment of, 
wow, I could retire here. Like I have no Scottish mm-hmm. roots, no Scottish connection, no whatever, <laughs> but just something about that. It was just like this perfect moment of, wow, this place is amazing. Like I could totally retire here. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I don't even know how to describe that, but yeah, Inverness. Mm. Good answer. I find it so interesting when we ask people that question, people take it different ways, like the best scenery that they've ever experienced and seen in person or the feeling that they got at it. Like, so it's really interesting. It sounds like it's both for Mm. you. Mm -hmm. And that uh, if you could have dinner with three people dead or alive, who would they be? Great question. Um, I, you know, I was like, yeah, what direction do I take this? Do I take this to all the famous people? And Jesus is the obvious answer, right? So we're not going to, that's the assumed. Yeah, it's sort of omitted, yeah. Yeah, so just skipping over that, not because I don't want to meet Jesus, but because it's assumed. Um, I would say my grandma, because I really do miss her. She passed away 20 plus years ago, but I I felt very close to her. And, And my grandpa, who I actually never met, so my grandmother's husband, Um, but when I grew up, I was always told that I looked just like him. Um, Mm. and so I've always had this longing almost to kind of meet him and get to know him. And, Mm. and still to this day, as I ask my aunts and uncles about him, there's still like these details that I'm like, you guys never told me this. You guys told me this. I thought it was this. And, and so I still feel like I don't know this grandfather of mine, um, who apparently I was connected to. Sorry. I, I treated that as one person. Uh, my, my, my grandparents, the second person, cause you said three people, right? So I had a list here. Um, yeah, 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 the second person would be, um, an, an alive person, which is, uh, Marcus Miller. I don't know. I, I, he's a musician who I absolutely adore and love. He's a jazz kind of fusion funk musician who beyond just a great musician is just somebody that I feel like, yeah, would have a lot of, is somebody who I'd have a lot to pick his brain about just mm. music life journey um and then the third person so i went from past to present to now future um my 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 children are not married they do not have kids but i would i would love to have dinner with my grandchildren um Mm, you know and i don't know what that looks like i don't know if my children will ever have children themselves but yeah looking to the future is hey what will they know about me what will what will their lives be like as a product of their parents who are my children? Um, yeah, th- it was a great question when you asked that because it, it made me like totally ponder, like, who do I really want to I want to meet my future children <laughs> and my future children's children. Like, wow, like that would be incredible. Sorry, like, yeah. So one day, one day when I do that, I can circle back and say, hey, I did that. So I hope. <laughs> Listen I hope. back to this moment be like, I called that. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I think you're the first person to answer this question in that way. Like yeah, past, present, and future. I've never thought about like sitting down with the future somebody, future self, whoever, future grandkids. So cool. Well, aside from those fun facts, I feel like we could ask so many other questions, but we'll dive into our conversation momentarily. Uh, tell us a bit about yourself and what life looks like for you. What does life look like for me? Um, father of three. So... Uh, and I say that because, yeah, I, my 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 three kids, one is in university, one's in high school, one's finishing elementary. So at three stages of life, which means being a father in three different ways, you know, um, to who they are. Uh, I'm the youngest of three boys. So everything comes in threes here. Uh, my parents came as international <laughs> students. So that's the quick a bit about myself to Canada. Um, 
you know, decades and decades ago. What life looks like for me, I'm the director of uh, an, kind of an extended learning center at Tyndale University, uh, where we do mainly external facing work, which means my day is all over the place. So this morning, quick, you know what, day in the life, sorry, my, my day started last night at like 9.30, where I had a <laughs> Zoom meeting with, um, with Pusan National University in Korea, and like, and I was totally expecting, I even invited a translator because I was like, okay, obviously I don't speak Korean, I'm Chinese. And then they ended up speaking like perfect English. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, fail for my for me, right? Um, <laughs> but it was a great conversation. And then this morning ended up having a meeting at 8.30 with uh, some diaspora Korean leaders in North America. And, and so it was neat to have that experience you know, walking into a conversation with you guys, but then later today having to go onto campus to try to rearrange some rooms because we want to run a conference. So it's it's a little bit all over the place of what my day looks like because this is what it is week to week. And then yet yesterday doing training with um, a client around diversity and inclusion. Uh, so we do training, we do research, we do conversations globally and locally. That's That's kind of what my day and life looks like, I guess is what I'd say. Hmm. Yeah, that's cool. And we're just excited to to hear from you. Um, for our listeners, Tim Tang, we heard him at uh, our last Arrow Intensive. And uh, we're going to talk about kind of bridge building leadership and particularly around this idea of kind of like cultural intelligence and intercultural mindset, some of those things um, of just kind of uh, inviting ourselves into a journey of, of being um, more intercultural. And that's uh, really kind of the Maybe that you have a better way to explain it, but that's a bit of the Coles notes about what you do and what you're you're passionate about, and um, yeah, a great teacher on those things. And so, uh, first off, as we start a conversation, I just love if you could tell us um, why are you personally so passionate about this, and why do you think it's really an essential conversation specifically for the church? Yeah, no, um, I'll I'll touch on a few things. Let me know if I'm going too long because yeah, I feel like I could talk about this for a long time, <laughs> honestly. Um, you know, other than it being, I feel like, so much of the the, the, the gospel Christian message of reconciliation, of people coming together, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I do also see it resonating with with even just my own my own life story. Jen, you shared a little bit about your friend um, as a as a Chinese Canadian, you know, for her it adopted and you know, a whole whole other again conversation that I don't I want to know more about. But for me as a second generation Chinese Canadian, um, yeah, my life story very much is growing up not knowing how Chinese I am or how Canadian I am, you know, so at home or around the Chinese community, I felt like I was the white guy. Um, and yet, you know, mm-hmm. when I was around um, European Canadian community, so at the school that I that I was at, I was at a private school, um, it was obvious that I wasn't like everyone else. And so trying to identify, hey, what? well, who am I? Because it doesn't seem like I fit anywhere. Um, was this even internal story of how do I bridge together these two identities? Um, you know, my journey continued uh, to work in certain communities in the church where there were different generations and different beyond just age generations, but cultural gaps that were happening. And, and and we were trying to resolve, hey, what does that mean for a Cantonese Chinese who's still Chinese, but a Mandarin Chinese who's still Chinese, and then a second generation English Chinese who's still Chinese, but culturally different to resolve things together. Uh, and that made me even reflect on my own life journey with my parents. So my dad is Cantonese 
Cantonese Chinese Canadian. My mom is Mandarin Chinese Canadian. And so I think as I reflected back, I was like, oh yeah, there was clear differences in the friends that my dad would bring home, you know, and hang out at the dinner table and the friends that my mom would bring home beyond just gender or whatever it was. There were families and couples that clearly talked about different things at the dinner table. Um, And yet it was still... Mm. Chinese, right? So there's, you know, there's this racial layer, then there was this ethnic layer that was different, and then cultural and really deeper uh, of saying, hey, what does this, what does this mean? I, I guess fast forward to me, um, I think it's in, in, essential for the church because this this then bridges together ideas of of equity and justice. You know, I think um, as you guys kind of touched on before we hit record, I think um, like Canada's changing. You know, whether the urban centers. Um, or rural or smaller cities in Canada. We were doing some talks and work with um, some leaders in Sault Ste. Marie. And they were like, yeah, the Sioux is diverse. And I'm like, what do you mean the Sioux is diverse? And they started telling Mm -hmm. me about all these communities and people moving in and not even just like one family at a time, like an entire neighborhood being not what they knew the Sioux being just a few decades ago, right? Um, And so... Knowing that that is happening, that we have all these differences, how do we really come together? And 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 boiling it down even more so, like, like I feel like cultural intelligence or intercultural competency, whatever you want to talk about, um, really in a nutshell is how do you work across difference? Like I feel like even the church hasn't figured out what to do with male and female gender differences, right? We haven't figured that out yet. How can we not figure that out mm-hmm. yet? You know, this obviously it's mm-hmm. been there from the beginning, Um and yet, even now, differences that go beyond just gender, we clearly haven't figured out. Um, small rant as Canadians would be, yeah, there's a First Nations conversation that we haven't solved, clearly. And there's a Quebec, like this entire province, this French culture that we haven't solved as a nation. Um, and really what it comes down to is it's difference that we haven't bridged together with. So how do we do that better? And I feel like the church has a has a huge responsibility for that. Mm. I'm super, this is not in the questions that we sent you, but I'm super interested to hear what uh, your answer is to this. I've had conversations with people throughout the years. And again, Ainsley and I in the grand scheme of things aren't that old, but I think we <laughs> both, uh, I think we both know, you know, the kind of leaders that we want to be. Like we do want to be bridge building leaders. And um, throughout uh, when I was a teenager and even like entering into young adulthood have heard people say of like, well, we live in rural Ontario. This doesn't, this conversation doesn't apply to us because like, as far as race, we're all white. Everybody around us is white. Um, we don't like, what's the point of having those conversations? I've heard it. I've heard those things being said. So I'm curious what your response would be to that. Great question. Yeah, I mean, and and even for us to to nail down even more, like it's it isn't it isn't just urban rural anymore, right? It's urban suburban, mm-hmm. which is a massive segment of our of our population and and geography, and then rural. So let let me, but let me just talk about urban versus rural for a second. And yeah, that question does come up, and oftentimes I'll talk to people in rural communities, and I'll say, okay, great, you're in rural, whatever it is, small town Ontario, not a problem. I get it. I was going to throw in some stereotypes, but I shouldn't. So, but then, but then I'll press the question and I'll say, okay, great. Farming community. Yes. Uh, what kind of farms? Great. Tell me about that. Great. Um, 
And then I'll press the question and say, okay, well, on your farms, do you have migrant workers? And they'll go, well, yeah, we do. And I'm like, okay, well, just like a handful? No, as I think about it, it's like we have a couple hundred migrant workers. I'm like, great, do they go home every couple months and, and never come back? It's like, no, they, they come every year and some of them have settled and live here. And so, yeah, there's a couple hundred migrant workers who now live in our small town. I'm like, okay, great. Anybody invite them to church? Oh, they'd be interested in church? It's like, well, I don't know. Why don't you talk to them? Because if, if they're coming from certain XYZ countries, they might be Christians themselves, but don't have a place to worship, right? So, mm-hmm. and, and so, yeah, there is this, this light bulb that does go off to realize, oh, yeah, migrant workers are people, A, <laughs> and B, you know, yep. they're, they're now part of our communities, uh, and what are we doing about it? And some of them don't have status. Mm-hmm. Some of them don't have a lot of rights or, and are treated pretty poorly. And yeah, I, I, you know, as Christian leaders, how do we resolve that with the widows and the orphans and the and the powerless that obviously the Bible talks about over and over again? So it's, it's not even just that mm-hmm. they're people that are different. They're actually people that Jesus calls us to um, mm-hmm. and even more so. And so... Yeah, I, I don't know if that sort of answers the question. That that's usually my response of saying, no, they're 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 there, <laughs> like you know, mm-hmm. even in the most rural areas. Yeah, and I really appreciate what you said beforehand of like this conversation, like this is really the gospel being worked out. Like this isn't just some idea that somebody came up of like, oh, this is probably a good idea. Like this is actually the gospel being worked out, and really believe that God invites us to participate in things that He's already doing. So. Yeah, just get fired up. <laughs> so with that, um, can you kind of give us an idea of the continuum of growing from a monocultural mindset to an intercultural mindset and maybe touch on the different stages that um, you shared with us when we were at Arrow? Sure. Yeah. And and obviously, if this is mainly audio, people aren't going to see a, a PowerPoint slide that I can, you know, show up and all this, I, which I <laughs> unfortunately rely too much on my PowerPoint slides. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there is this continuum, this visual of going from one side to the other that we often use in our training, uh, just to, you know, age to show that um, it's progressive in terms of how we develop and grow. It's not going to be just, you know, flip a switch and all of a sudden you're there Okay, it's not like the Matrix, you know? Oh, I know Kung Fu. Oh, I'm intercultural now. It's, it's, it doesn't work like that, right? And so how do we go through mm-hmm. this process of learning, pr- practicing, evaluating how are we working with different people groups uh, and, and understanding ourselves even? So yeah, on one side, we talk about a monocultural mindset. And on the other, we talk about having an intercultural mindset. And mindset beyond just... Um, intelligence, because intelligence oftentimes when we think about that word is just what's going on in our brains. But mindset is, yeah, our attitudes towards things, our behaviors toward things, how we feel about certain things. Uh, on one side, you know, we, we often use the word um, denial. And in that stage, people just don't know that there's real difference. You know, if you've only been around people who are like you, that's kind of all you know. And that's not wrong, but that's literally just all you know. Uh, sometimes we see people grow and develop, and maybe they start engaging with people who are different than them. You know, whether it's cultural, whether it's racial, whether it's social economic. Um, and at first, that can be a little bit startling, and that can feel like a problem. Okay, well, those people are different than me, so I kind of either need to stay away from them, protect myself, or I need to, yeah, kind of just kind of pretend that they're not there. And that there's almost like this polarization stage that we talk about. Um, sometimes in that polarization stage, uh, it can actually be, if it's a minority person, so somebody in a, in a smaller subgroup surrounded by people who are dominant, sometimes it's a uh, a reverse polarization. So sometimes somebody will feel like, okay, 
who I am is different and I need to stop being who I am. Um, mm. So we see that a lot with immigrant kids in, in a dominant culture who, yeah, they'll come home and say, mom and dad don't speak Korean to me anymore. I don't want to eat that rice or that foreign food. I'm Canadian. I'm bleach blonding my hair and I only want to eat steak and potatoes because I am Canadian. Um, so that's kind of like this reversal that happens in, in identity. Um, the next stage we talk about is, is minimization. So oftentimes people will minimize the differences. They're really good at working with people who are different than them. They'll often find things that are in common, which is great to start with conversations and how people can resonate. Um, but when you're in that minimization stage, you often overlook the differences that can be helpful. And so how do we lean into moving people beyond that to, to acknowledge the differences um, and to ask better questions, to be curious, to constantly be curious. Is there more going on? Is there a different experience that I need to learn from? Is there a different perspective uh, that I need to think about? Uh, that's, that's very, very foreign to me, but, but not foreign to somebody else, which could be actually the better way of seeing things. I, I don't remember when we hit record, but we talked about a deer story, right? And and the deer story <laughs> is a deer that, you know, passed away in my backyard. And I, I live in suburban kind of Toronto. And uh, and we didn't know what to do with this deer. And, you know, for us, for my wife and I, we're kind of like city people. So we had no idea what to do with this deer uh, and invited a friend who who is First Nations Indigenous. And her family came and, and, and re- helped us remove the deer because if we'd left it there, who knows if coyotes or, or, you know, wild animals would end up in our backyard and that would not be probably safe to children and, <laughs> and, and, and pet dogs in the neighborhood. Um, <laughs> and, and yeah, for the following week, it was very much, uh, you know, saying to that friend, you know, thank you so much. Thank you so much for taking care of that, that problem for us. And she literally turned to my wife and I and said, what are you talking about? What problem? That was a gift. That was a gift that you gifted our family with six months worth of, of meat because she didn't see this as a nuisance, but saw it as a God's creation and a gift that was put on this earth. Um, and so just that reversal as an example of, hey, you know, this, there's different ways of seeing things and we need to wake up to that. The final stages in that continuum are adaptation and integration. Um, adaptation and integration is really where, yeah, you start adopting that, hey, there's different ways of seeing things and maybe I need to take a different way of looking at something to approach a certain situation or context, you know, as an example, you know, oftentimes we'll talk about, uh, as North Americans, we're very individualistic. So I think, you know, something happens, we just think about ourselves, you know, how does that affect me, my bottom line, my budget. Um, but in other cultures, things are very collective and very communal uh, as a first response. And so perhaps there are things, if, if something happens at the church, you know, you may think, well, I didn't really like the music and the worship this morning because it doesn't meet my taste. Uh, but from a communal collective perspective, okay, you know what? That was the first time that young person was invited to lead worship and they chose songs that made sense to them. So in a collective sense, it's not about you. It's about the discipleship of our, our, our next generation of leaders. And so how do you walk with mm-hmm. them? Not to teach them what's better, but yeah, they had a bad week. They had an off week that wasn't quite like what you wanted, but hey, how do we think of it from a more collective perspective? Uh, and I think those are different ways of of just approaching values and thinking differently. Uh, and yeah, progressing people along this this continuum that we use. We have an assessment that we use as well, but that's a fancy way of, of charging people and, and making money. But but it's also just a, <laughs> just a good way of just seeing, hey, how, how am I developing? How am I growing in my awareness of other people, but maybe even more so, awareness of my own values, my own biases, and my own perspective mm-hmm. of seeing things that are, that are, 
that may be native to me, but not actually native to the majority of people actually in the world sometimes. Mm-hmm. I think too, like one thing about the assessment was even like for me, like doing the actual assessment, not even getting the results back. Um, but how as you start to be like asked different questions that you're not necessarily aware of all the time. Um, and then even like listening to you speak and we had meeting with somebody from your um, uh, staff too. And, and you start to even just expand your mind about how much it is. Cause I think, like you said, it's easy to just think about like, this isn't just like a racial thing, but it's also like a cultural thing. And I think for us again, like I live in a farming community and so you know, realizing kind of the depth of cultures that are at play here. Um, or like you said, the communities that are maybe more hidden that we're not paying attention to. But I think it's like something to be really helpful and like just it's it's not actually this like huge thing, but it's asking like different and better questions about like who are the people that are actually around you and what's your interaction with them. And um, I think for me, the minimizing differences with people was like a kind of eye opening thing because you're like, oh, like. I may have thought that that was a good thing, right? And I think that's probably a common thing of like, you don't need to focus on what separates, but it doesn't actually have to be something that separates. It's more about like difference and how do we work together. So yeah, that the self-awareness piece and growing pieces, I think can be tough a little bit to like accept, but I think also is, um, yeah, it just opened your eyes to like a whole new world that's like actually right in front of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and as you're describing that, like immediately to me, like started to bring it back in with what Jen was saying about, about the gospel and, and 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 scripture, but immediately to me was like, okay, we're we're so often thinking about the differences we have and what other people are like, and yet Jesus is like, well, don't worry about the speck in somebody else's eye. What about the plank in your own mm-hmm. eye, right? And so this self awareness of examining our own values and our own biases, which which have a certain perspective. It's not all wrong, but but hey, are we even aware of? the plank in our own eye and, and just how we're actually, um, seeing things which are, which are different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really good. Um, so I know you, you did mention for one, um, like assessments and those are things that are available to people if they want to do, there's, um, stuff on there, but what would you say, uh, for somebody who maybe has thought about this? I think a lot of people in our culture with, um, the last few years has been a lot in the news. People don't necessarily know how to kind of, um, they maybe see some of the problems or issues that are going on in our world, like particularly in the States, like Black Lives Matter or in Canada here with the Indigenous issues. But maybe they don't actually know, like, they're like, I want to do better or be better, but don't necessarily know how to do that. Um, what would be some of your recommendations as sort of like, what are some good steps to take as far as wanting to grow in this area? You know, the initial step I usually say to people is just just to try to grow in their curiosity. Um, mm. you know, and, and sorry, my, gen- my generation, my generation is, uh, the X generation and the X generation, um, other than wanting to be nameless, which is why we were generation X, um, we, we were actually very good, I'd say at asking questions, which mm-hmm. to the older generation seemed like we were just troublemakers, um, because we asked why about everything. Like we were like this forever two-year-old asking why, like, why that? Why this? Like, why do I have to do this? Why do I have to go to work? And you know, other than the obvious things, right? But, but just constantly asking why. And I think that, that actually is, is a great posture to always take, not as a, not as a, um, an aggressive stance to things, but always to be curious. Hey, well, why is this important to 
somebody else than me. Like, why does this happen? Why did they, why do people talk to certain people in different, why do Italians are more expressive in their language or whatever, not to stereotype Italians or whatever it is, but, but when you see somebody (laughs) who speaks to you from another culture and stands to you, like, three centimeters from your face, you you know, for some of our cultures, like, whoa, back up, they're trying to be aggressive. It's like, no, but in their culture, maybe that's their way of feeling like they're connected with you and they, they're actually being very friendly. And so instead of just feeling defensive about things that are different, just keep asking, well, why? What's going on? What's happening? Um, how can I build my curiosity and ask better questions about what's happening? Like to me, that that's one of the huger steps. Are you Are you asking me for like real tangible tools and things or... Or just, yeah, what does that initial idea go from? Um, I guess either. I guess I, I just think of, I think even that idea of just expanding your curiosity. But, yeah, I just think sometimes people, yeah, they just don't know what what to make of it or, or yeah, I guess what can they do. Um, maybe particularly if they don't feel like they have a lot of opportunity or people in their life, like maybe the first step is to actually find those people who are actually in your life and um what does it look like to build community with them i'm not sure yeah um you know and i would say yeah because when we when we talk about sorry here's a quick mike another quick way and lesson (laughs) to talk about this is um two buzzwords around intercultural competency is 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 similar to what people see a lot in in equity training right so diversity and inclusion um i really like the idea that diversity that I was taught from one of my mentors, diversity is a noun and inclusion is a verb. So diversity mm-hmm. being the noun means that there's diversity everywhere. So even if you're in a room and everyone racially looks the same, well, where is the diversity? So be curious to say, okay, is there gender diversity? Yeah, there may be. There's maybe sexuality in terms of diversity. There may be diversity in terms of social economic. And so even in those slight differences, how do we ask better questions, right? Not to judge, but to say, hey, you obviously grew up in a 10-family home. Tell me more about that from my single child upbringing or whatever. You know what I mean? Like even that to me are these differences where we can lean into. And it's, it's basically the same muscle that we're, that we're exercising of asking good questions without judgment. Um, and so diversity, mm-hmm. identifying the, the diverse experiences that are there. And then inclusion is that verb of leaning into it and saying, okay, well, what else do I need to know? What else is going on? You may be in a community wherever people are where, yeah, they're, okay, somehow everyone is exactly the same. Everyone has three kids. Everyone has the same, I don't know, Dutch upbringing and everyone is third generation Dutch. I don't know what it is. Like, let's just say that's the case. Okay, great. You have internet. You probably all have Netflix. And on Netflix, which is really cool right now, there's a lot of different foreign films and foreign series. Why don't you spend the next six months only watching K-dramas not because you really love the slow storylines, I'm joking, um, but but you but you want to watch the K dramas and not even be on entertainment value. But after a couple of months, why don't you and your friends ask like why do they tell stories differently? Like what's going on that the way they're telling stories is actually very different? And what's really neat too is not just that it's a foreign film or a foreign entertainment. Sometimes you'll see some series, and I'm sure we've seen it in in Hollywood, you know, where another country or another community will do the same film because they think, it, you know, they try to follow a formula, but they'll do it slightly different. So what's really neat now is that there'll be Korean films that Japanese entertainment will kind of copy, but do it differently. And so 
when you watch it, is it one that's just better or worse than the other? Or are they actually doing it differently because there's a cultural value that's slightly different? Um, I mean, that takes a lot of watching, but at your fingertips, no matter where you are, you have Netflix somewhere, right? And because we we have this opportunity to expose ourselves, you know, spend two months watching Bollywood movies, which are, again, on Netflix. And if you get past the singing and the dancing, every single movie, the singing and dancing, <laughs> how are they telling stories that are different? And maybe with that curiosity, well, what's important to this community that may be different than, than what's important to the community that I've grown up with? Mm, that's really good. I'm curious, what has this process and journey been like for you? I remember at Arrow, you um, shared that you have a tattoo and that there's certain places that you'll go where you'll intentionally wear a long sleeve shirt to cover your tattoo, um, knowing um, that particular community or culture's view on tattoos. So I'm curious what this whole process has been like for you both um, personally, for your study and education, um, if it's different by you becoming a parent, like, yeah, what, what does this look like for you? Okay, how am I going to get this into 40 minutes? I'm not going to get this into 40 minutes. <laughs> hey, it's our podcast. <laughs> oh we can do whatever right? we want. It, it, okay, <laughs> honestly, like, as I said, it is this being like my life story. It, it continues to be my life story. Mm. Um, the passage that probably resonates the, more, the most to me that I use all the time is, is, is Paul saying, I've become all things to all people so that I might win some to the gospel. Um, mm. And it's, it's not even just the evangelism side, but being all things to all people means that, yeah, depending on who I'm talking to, whether it be age group or just their cultural background, I need to figure out how to adapt, right? And not to adapt mm. to, to lose myself, but to connect well with who they are and then actually get my message across, whatever it may be. Like maybe maybe I'm just there to connect and to become friends with and build that relationship. But in other cases, yeah, I mean, being able to meet somebody where they are is is so crucial in order for me to deliver a message, to speak to somebody. You know, classic example, Jesus met the Samaritan woman at the well. He met her where she was, right? Where mm. she was going to be instead of saying, oh, hey, come to the synagogue. I'm preaching this coming, you know, Sabbath, you know, be there. Mm. Here's a flyer. Like, I mean, like she's not going to show up. She was there where she was. And instead of even asking, here, come listen to me, she actually, he turned the table and said, hey, teach me about or give me something. She, you know, he asked her for water, which is mm. a reversal in hospitality, right? So being willing, willing to learn from the other and say, hey, what do I what could I get from you, not to use you, but perhaps to put you in a position of power? Um, sorry, mm -hmm. so getting back to your question, like this to me, yeah, changes the way I parent. You know, I talked about my kids being at different ages. Um, <laughs> decades and decades ago when I was doing youth ministry, you know, I think one of the best lessons I learned as a, as a around youth and parenting before I became a parent, and I still try to remind myself, the key to parenting is to become less and less of a parent. Um, you know, which is, which is like, what do you mean by that? And it's like, well, yeah, I mean, now that my son is 19, I can't treat him like he's one and I'm changing his diaper and feeding him mm -hmm. and telling him what time to go to bed and what time to get up. So I need to become less and less of a parent as he grows older, um, which is tough because mm -hmm. I've, I've, I still remember, you know, 
changing his diaper, putting clothes on him, right? And, you know, rocking him to sleep, burping him. And so now when he's, the fact that he's bigger than I am, it's like, oh, okay, you're not that anymore. <laughs> but as honestly, as a parent, that's tough to kind of totally change gears with. Um, but I think it's the same muscle of, hey, how do I keep adapting to people? How do I keep adjusting to people? You know, my three children love them all equally. Obviously, I have obviously no favorites, but but I clearly treat them and talk to them all differently because they are different people. So, you know, when I work with people who are who are different than me, immediately is okay. Keep that radar up of okay, what's what could possibly be different because I've never worked with this community before, um, and how do I ask better questions, engage them, meet them where they're at, and then move forward. Um, what has been fascinating within the role that I'm in at, at the Tim Center um, is, yeah, working with different cultural groups and different cultural groups that have different ways of doing things, um, you know, whether it's writing up contracts together or teaching classes together. Um, it's hard. It's hard to adapt. But, yeah, there is this reminder of how do I, how do I pick up on cues that may be different than mine if they're saying something do they mean this, which I define that word as this, or do they actually mean something else, which still means the same? It's mm. still defined as that word, but it's it's not how I would have defined it. Um, but it doesn't make it wrong. It's just this constant, how do I adapt? How do I adapt? How do I adapt? Mm-hmm. And what do you what do you know about God now through your study and through your work? It's definitely given me a much bigger view of God. Um, mm. you, know, you know, as as Christians, I think sometimes we forget that we like we don't have we don't we don't have a. I mean, this is not a monotheistic religion, right? And and sorry, not to get all theological here, but it's it's we have a triune God. Well, you know, it's mm-hmm. nice to say Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but do we really know? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, as as distinct, right? I, again, don't want to get too theological here, but they are very. <laughs> You're dis- allowed to. They're, they're very distinct <laughs> entities. You know, I, mm. I, I'm, I'm having flashbacks to my my systematics theology class and my professors, <laughs> you know, giving me the Greek on on the wording, and I get it. And mm. they are one, but they are three distinct. And that reminder of three distinct isn't just the different roles that they play. But they're they're together, but distinctly different, and so that to me, you know, trickles down to the body of Christ. We are part of the body of mm-hmm. Christ, and yet we we have to acknowledge the differences that we have and the nuances that we have that become that need to come together as the whole body. Um, yeah, I, I think it's it's blown my mind in terms of. Um, in terms of who God is and how we relate to him. Um, just this morning, just this morning, I don't know why, I went on a tangent thinking about something and working on something, and I I, I Googled, so this here's my challenge to everyone, Google um, Tamil Christian worship. And it, like I think for many of us, when we think of Tamil, the Tamil community, we think of Hindus. And yeah, there's a lot of Tamils that are Hindu, but there's a lot of Tamils that are Christian, like there actually are. And and significantly in Toronto. Um, and so when you Google it and you listen, you're like, oh, that doesn't sound like any of my Hillsong music or whatever. But they're <laughs> worshiping a triune God. And you're like, oh, mm. you know, if you can 
find a, a video with the translation, it's like, oh, that's everything we sing about, but with a completely different melody and a completely different phrasing. And you're like, oh, what? And and so I think just that kind of, you know, quick Google just blows your mind to realize, oh, mm. A, my view of God is very, very narrow because that's all I've ever known. And then it's impressed upon me that God is God is working literally all around the world, like not just through mm-hmm. our classic missionaries. God is already there. Like God is already doing things mm-hmm. in amazing ways. Um, and so it's definitely, yeah, expanded my view of who God actually is and, and realizing that, mm-hmm. yeah, even as much as I know now, it's probably still a drop in the bucket of, of m- much more to know about him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. In all of these, in all of this conversation, what would you, uh, let me back up with the <laughs> cultural moment that we find ourselves in Canada now, um, how would you encourage the church of Canada, whether that's like on a local level or a national level, um, where, how would you encourage and invite the Canadian church to lean into this? Okay. When you say the, tr- the, the where we are now, like where, where, where do you, where do you feel like we are now yeah that's a good question (laughs) (laughs) um i will speak uh on a i okay ansley and i've had a lot of questions about this i really believe that people are wanting more they uh i think this is so funny i'm like do i want to be recorded saying this i think so yeah i i really believe that the gospel that we preach is often too small Mm -hmm. um I think we talk about it on a really individualistic basis when really, and I think it ties into this conversation, right? Like God is actually in the business of making all things new, not just me, but all things new Mm -hmm. systems, all things new, Mm -hmm. right? Communities, all things new. And so I see people desiring that and wanting that. Um, and I know that there's also others, I mean, heck myself included with different things that are really resistant to that change or really resistant to, um, diversity. Even the fact that like, I remember when I was younger, I grew up in a church that only sang hymns. So for a long time, I'm like, hymns is the only way that you can sing to God. Yeah. (laughs) Right. It was like not true, but that mentality that like we do it right there's actually mm. other ways. So mm-hmm. I don't know if this is making sense. <laughs> it, I'm getting a little is. nervous to say that, you know, but like where would you encourage the church to lean into this maybe is the question that I'm asking. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 and me, like me asking that is, yeah, exactly that. I think where we are now is defined differently by, by depending on where you are. Right. So, so right. needing, needing me needing to ask you that is like, well, <laughs> I think we are in a certain place, but I don't know if everyone sees what I see. Right. Which is, yeah. which is, which is, um, which is fine because again, we have very different circles, uh, that we're exposed to or conversations. I completely agree with you. I do think people are hungering for more than whatever is being offered. Uh, I'll just stop there. What, whatever that means. Um, but I think this here's an opportunity. If there is that hunger, how do we meet that hunger and 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 stretch ourselves, even as leaders, right? So here, without I mean, you said that you know 
I, what did you say? You said something referring about your age, whether you guys were old or young. I forget what it was, but I know I'm 49. <laughs> I'm 49 and I know I'm getting, I'm getting, you know, old and the older you get, it is tough to sometimes be much more expansive in thinking. Um, that's the truth. Um, but there <laughs> needs to be this practice of, Hey, there's a different way of thinking about things. There's a different way of doing things. Um, Mm. For me in this journey too was kind of processing, sorry, when I did some youth ministry education and uh, just Christian ed training was this reminder of people learn different, right? So when we talk about multiple intelligences, yeah, people, God actually created us to process things differently, right? And beyond Mm. just audio learners, visual learners, there's kinesthetic learners, there's musical learners, there's mathematical, logical learners. And and so multiple intelligences started putting me on that trajectory of, okay, I don't know if you guys have ever explored sacred pathways. So sacred pathways is the idea, right? That people connect with God differently. It's like, oh, so mm-hmm. if I don't get that much from my morning devotions of reading a book and then meditating and then journaling, if I don't get that, am I a bad Christian or is that just not my sacred pathway? It's like, oh, maybe mm-hmm. it's not my, maybe I, if I just go for a walk for an hour, wow, I all of a sudden I connect with God in this deep, deep way. So I feel like sometimes the church or our churches have so narrowly down defined, show up on Sunday, listen to some music, listen to one guy, one guy, now I'm really like, I'm going to get myself in hot water here. One guy <laughs> standing at the front um, and that's being a good Christian. It's like, really? That's what it means? That's how we connect with the divine and feel connected mm. to his call upon our lives? Maybe there's different ways of doing that and thinking about that, even within our Western uh, culture. So am I totally off topic? What of your question? Your question was... No, no, no. no so this good. is good. Right? Like, I'm just like leaning in. <laughs> yeah. So yeah I, I, yeah, I just think we all need more expansive ways of thinking about things. Yeah, circle this all the way back to diversity mm-hmm. and um, working across cultures. You know, you know, whether you're rural or urban or suburban or where you are in Canada, the conversation is going to be different, right? So mm-hmm. in Eastern Canada, I don't, know, I don't know who listens to this, if it's all Canadians. Let's just say Canadians because we're Canadian. Um, if you're on Eastern Canada and you don't know about the Nova Scotian black community, then you got to start reading about Eastern Canada, right? If you start journeying West and, you know, you have no idea about the French and English or the October crisis of 1970, um, then you got to read up about what the context is and why the Anglo and Francophone uh, tension has become what it is today. It's not violent as much as it was before, but there's a gap, you know, as you keep going West Right, And if you end up in Winnipeg and you don't really understand First Nations and Indigenous community in our urban centers, um, then you, you, you really have to wake up to what's happening conceptually there. Uh, or even in Winnipeg, I, I raise Winnipeg and say, or why Winnipeg has the first Jollibee in Canada. Do you, know, guys, do you guys know what Jollibee is? Jollibee <laughs> is, like, is like the Filipino equivalent of McDonald's, um, but they love, oh. they love their Jollibee. And, and and as in the Asian community, we were like, oh, okay, yeah, we know of Jollibee in the Philippines if you've ever been to Philippines. Um, but the first Fili- the first Jollibee in Canada was in Winnipeg, 
And it, for Torontonians, we're like, what do you mean? Why Winnipeg? Like, why aren't you bringing it to Toronto? Because this is the center of the universe. No, 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 right? Um, but then that became this wake-up call of there's this massive Filipino community in Winnipeg. And you're like, oh. Mm. And then, mm. again, why? Well, why? Why? And you start realizing there are reasons mm. why this this massive Filipino community. You know. And then as you finally head to the West Coast, on top of the First Nations Indigenous community, there's a massive Asian community, right? South Asian mm-hmm. and East Asian. And so, you know, in terms of racial justice, yeah, anti-Asian hate was a huge conversation on the West Coast, you know, for mm-hmm. Vancouver leaders to say to me and say, tell, Tim, tell us about Black Lives Matter and why anti-Black racism teach us. And I'm like, no, but you're in Vancouver. Yeah, I'll tell you a little bit about it, but you don't have the Jamaican-Canadian community that Toronto has. So... Mm. Let me recontextualize the conversation um, for you. Uh, yeah, these things matter. These, there's overlap to it. But how do we contextualize that question? Um, realize that there is diversity no matter where we are. Um, and, and, and this is truly what the body of Christ is. It's, it's the wholeness mm-hmm. of all this together. Mm-hmm. So good. <laughs> I think I'm done asking you questions that I didn't send you. <laughs> no, that's to- that off the cuff is, but but then I worry that I'm like, oh, did I answer her question? I'm not sure. And I'm like, what was her question again? Yeah, 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 yeah. You're good. No, this is so good. Yeah. Um, okay, what are some like really practical resources that you would recommend for people? Yeah, practical. I mean, and maybe particularly. Sorry, not interrupt, but also maybe particularly for Canadians, because I think that's one thing that a lot mm. of the loudest voices and resources are for American and they're not necessarily like the best relatable content. Okay. Yes. So hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. Even just to start with examining, like what are we reading or what are we listening to? Right. Um, mm. You know, I, I don't want to get all like CBC radio, Canadian content only, you know, that, cause that's how, you know, music industry was for a long time. But, but at some level, for those people who read a lot, I mean, well, what are you reading, right? And if you've only been reading male Euro-Canadian or Euro-American authors for your entire life, there's nothing wrong with that. But you know that God speaks through, well, A, a lot of female authors and scholars, and there's some really amazing ones out there. Um, There's also some very incredible global theologians that are not just North American educated who have different perspectives on things. Um, and so how do we add to our reading list, right? Um, examine who are, who are, what our reading list is now and add to it a more diverse way of thought. It's, it's not even to say to you or to say to somebody, okay, you have to agree with everything, but have you even read those things? Have you even exposed yourself to them? Um, I do think that it was incredible listening to somebody else talk about this subject. And they said when they, when they planted a church in a certain community and city, they said, you know, I, you know, he said, you know, I'm, I'm Korean American. And I knew that all my mentors growing up were Korean American. So the first thing he did planting a church in, in that city was he went and found all the black American pastors and leaders that he could and said to them, can you be my mentor for the next five, 10 years, whatever. So, so actively seeking Mm -hmm. out mentors who are not like you uh, to speak into your life, not to teach you all their ways, but to be around you and circles of influence. Um, Yeah. So those kind of practical things to me is, yeah, who are your mentors? How do you, who you're reading? um, How do you diversify those things? 
Um, yeah, hopefully those are those are at least quick quick tips of what to do. And and yeah, mm-hmm. back to back to even you know your mobile device and entertainment, whether it's Netflix or Disney or I don't know what else do people use Prime Video. You're like <laughs> on any of those platforms, like expose yourself to something that maybe you you don't normally watch. Mm-hmm. Maybe there are appropriate things. To, to, as, as I said that, I'm like, well, that, that sounds kind of bad. Like, like, but <laughs> it, it, circle it, circle around yourself things and voices that perhaps seem foreign to you that perhaps you could be stretched by and be grown, grown mm-hmm. around. Mm-hmm. It's really good. Uh, is there anything else that you feel like is really important to discuss in this conversation? I, I am ex- I, what, I'll, what, what I'll add say is I am really excited to to think about the next generation of leaders like yourselves and others who are curious around this um, and I guess my 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 prayer maybe is uh, for us older leaders to to be able to have a continued open-headedness to that uh, because yeah, it is too easy to say, well, I worked so hard for this position, you know, I'm going to hold it tightly and I worked so hard to earn the right to speak, but maybe, maybe it is needing to earn the right to listen. And so how do we listen really well to people who are different than us, you know, listen really well to an emerging generation of leaders. Um, yeah, I, I, you, you guys probably, you probably excited me when you, when you talked a little bit about younger generations and thinking about the things mm. that they're curious about and hunger, hungering for. Um, yeah. Cause that definitely, that definitely excites me to think, yeah, this is, if this is the generation to come, how do we keep fanning that flame uh, mm. as the whole church? Right. And um, mm-hmm. yeah. Good curious questions. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's really good. Uh, thank you so much. I mean, this has been, yeah, I feel like this time flew by. We're almost at like getting close to an hour and I just feel like, yeah, it's been, it's been so good. Um, just thank you for your your work in this. And um, I mean, you've done lots of uh, schooling and reading and things like that, but I think it's also more than that. The different um, churches across our nation that you talk to and leaders and, and things like that, I think it's really um yeah, j- just really good the way that you frame the conversation and I think get people thinking is really awesome. Um, so to end off, we always ask all of our guests this question and it's kind of an insight into you and that's just what is the best piece of advice that you have been given? I think the best advice that I've been given and I, and I now repeat it to other people um, is most people... Sorry, the, the conversation was around emotional intelligence. So training ourselves to not just react to something that happens or somebody says something offensive, you know, identify the emotion around it, blah, 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 blah. Um, but the advice is most people don't do things to you or against you, but they do things for themselves. So most people mm-hmm. don't do things to you or against you, but they do it for themselves. So if they, if they say something meanly to you, are they just trying to be mean because they hate you? And they're trying to, you know, destroy your day or are they, are they acting defensively because maybe they're reacting to something, you know, is somebody not responding to your email because they're trying to ignore you and think that 
you know, you're terrible. I don't think, you know, we should ever work with Ainsley ever again. Or are they just protecting their time and space because they have a certain capacity? So like, I think that has been a great reminder of, okay, and this is not to say that there's not bad people out there. There are some bad people out there, but, but most people, <laughs> most people don't do things to you and against you. Uh, but most often they're doing something for themselves. I, I felt like that's, that's helped me a ton. Mm. The final mic drop. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Tim, thanks so much for joining us. This has been so good. And again, I feel like we could talk for a couple of hours about this and various topics. But thank you so much for what you do. Um, Thank you for, yeah, your just encouragement. I think for me... I really have a hard time of like, this is right and this is wrong. That's like things that I'm unlearning. But throughout this whole process and chatting with Brian too, of unpacking the assessment, your posture of like, no, like there's opportunity for growth here. Like it's actually okay that you're here and there's opportunity for you to experience more healing, more curiosity. And so I really appreciate that that is, yeah, really evident in your work, but also as you as a person. So Thank you for taking the time to join us. Um, Yeah, it's been lovely. Thanks. Thank you, guys. No, this is great. Keep doing what you're doing. Uh, I think it's fantastic. Keep engaging people. Keep engaging conversations. And uh, yeah, the the, the off-question questions to me, so I listen to a lot of jazz. So to me, it's improvisation, (laughs) right? And if you you can't learn to improvise, um, life is improvisation. So this is like, I think it's great Mm. when you improvise. and engage with the spirit maybe leading you in a different way. So yeah, Mm. great stuff, really good. Mm, Thank you. Thank you guys. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you enjoy it as much as we did. We have more conversations like this coming up that you won't want to miss. So subscribe or follow on whatever podcast platform that you like. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at Just Work Friends if you want more information, resources, and episode reminders there. And other than that, until next time. Toodaloo. Toodaloo. We haven't heard that one in a while. Yeah, I thought I'd mix it up. (laughs) Bye.